Welcome back to another episode of the Learn, Grow, Earn podcast. This is episode 63. And for this week's interview, I linked with my friend Hannah Carlson, who happens to be back in town uh, for a couple days. So we had to connect. Now, Hannah has done basically everything. She started her first company at eight years old. She has been in event planning and consultant in consulting, in modeling, you name it, she's probably done it. Um, and we dive into all of these different areas of her journey in this interview. And she also shares about a very pivotal life event that really changed the trajectory of her mindset and her career path. So really, really solid interview that I'm excited to share with you guys. What I love about Hannah's journey and her focus is that she places such an importance on connecting people and supporting people. And I've experienced this firsthand. So I'm excited to share this interview with you guys. But with that said, let's get started. Hannah, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. You are very welcome. So for people that might not know you and your story, why don't you just take a couple of minutes, give them quick Spark Notes version so they have some context. My name is Hannah Carlson. I'm 23 years old. I came from Virginia Beach, Virginia, moved to New Jersey about a year and a half ago. And now I am a event coordinator, also a PR fashion manager and a brand image consultant. Whoa. Okay. That, that is a couple different things. So I want to get into kind of how all of that piece together because that's super interesting to me. But before we get there, I always like to start super, super basic. So how important do you think learning is? Well, obviously it's very important, but it depends on the context of learning. Are you learning for yourself or are you forced to learn based off of the educational system? Based on your uh, answer, it sounds like you have very strong opinions of the educational system. Is this true? I want to say I'm passionate about this, the way that the government is taking kids in schools and how they should be implementing their mindsets going towards a corporate nine to five. I think, and I had this conversation earlier with the influencer today, that I think um, millennials should be stepping into the school system and basically letting kids know that there's other options out there rather than just going into reality after you graduate and, okay, you have to do a nine-to-five job. There are other ways that you can make money. You can brand yourself, which is the best way for anyone to get anywhere in this world. We're all salesmen, essentially. We're all going to be selling ourselves and our own personal brands every single day. But kids don't know that these days. All they know is go to class, learn about history, learn about math. And then what happens? What, what are you going to do with that information? And where is the creativity in that? Yeah, I agree. I've shared my views on this a lot on this show, but... I can never knock traditional education because it played such a role for me, but I understand that I I think there's a lot of issues with how it's sold as like this solution. I'm curious, what role did it play in in your learning, traditional education that is? Well, I went to a private school, a Christian school. I was raised by very religious parents, that's for sure. Um, I was definitely forced to go to these academies and learn by the school system, but I was given the choice on what college I wanted 
to attend and what degree I wanted to pursue. Granted, my parents literally quoted they wanted me to go for a respectable degree, and I did not. I went for three degrees. I went for interior design, event management, and PR and marketing. So those were the best choices that I made because it was towards my passion and my career goals into that I want to start my own event agency. So what would have been respectable degrees just to give people like comparison? So like your lawyers, doctors, those kind of things? Correct. Yeah. My mom was a nurse and my dad is the top five in the world uh, spinal surgeons. Wow. A little pressure. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Awesome. So you went, round up those degrees for me again, interior design, PR, and Event events. Management. Sweet. Awesome. So actually, before we get into that, really quickly, how do you think you learn most efficiently? I learned by doing, by actually experiencing everything that's going on. So internships was the biggest important thing that I did throughout college and throughout any job that I wanted to pursue, I needed to experience it and be involved with the system and put my hands onto projects and actually see what I can create. Awesome. What were some of the early internships that like really sculpted your your vision or your career? The first one that I did, I went to Barcelona, Spain, and I lived there for six months. I was interning as an interior design student for a firm that did not speak English. So me and two other girls were literally put into a corner as our American corner and given pieces of paper and pen and used with hand gestures, make a chair, make a lamp, make a side table. And that was our job. And I hated it, <laughs> not just because like we couldn't communicate with anyone, but the fact that it was so structured and you had your job and no one was able to collaborate or become creative. It was just very structured. And I, I fell out of love of interior design, but I definitely learned a lot of systematic things that I can incorporate into events. So... How did you communicate with the people you reported to? Very broken English. Really? It was really sad. <laughs> wow. That seems like an insanely difficult barrier. But with that probably came an extremely valuable learning experience. So what was like the biggest thing that you took away from overcoming something like that for six months? That's impressive. The biggest thing I took away from it? I honestly can't say anything towards that except the international experience. That That's basically it. Just because majority of the area could not speak English very well. But it definitely challenged me to learn a different language and try to visualize how they do business on that side of the country. But not, not a lot to take away from. <laughs> Interesting. So... Then that kind of sold you out of interior design. What was next in the journey? The next thing was doing promotions in nightclubs. I started becoming a promoter for a local nightclub while I was still in college my sophomore year. And from then on, I really fell in love with the 
system and the people and the energy that everyone was providing in the management level. So I rose up to become a manager of a local nightclub. And then I was pulled over to Charlotte, North Carolina to work for a larger nightclub out there and really implement some organizational systems and provide a larger audience and more feedback for people to come out and engage with like an EDM audience. EDM wasn't that big. It was starting to become bigger from the European side over to America. And luckily I was able to get my foot in the door during that time. So I fell in love with the EDM scene and I got picked up by a publication and I started writing as a journalist and a photographer traveling the world and interviewing the top 50 DJs and going to music festivals, doing nightclubs. It was really fun. I'm super jealous that that was like, that played a big, I don't know, like not a big role, but like I really enjoyed that scene in my early twenties. I feel like everyone did. Yeah. I mean, it's fun, right? Like you're going around, you're early on in your career or finishing college and you're just like experiencing cool concerts and like whatever. The fact you got to travel and get paid for it is just, it's dope. It seems like you pivoted a bunch of different directions within that one experience. So you were doing photography, you were doing journalism, you were doing event planning and managing a nightclub. Like how did all of that come to be? And when did you kind of know to pivot? Was it just opportunities arising or were you just like following a gut? How did, how did all that work out? It was definitely opportunities for sure. Um, I'm a risk taker and obviously for any entrepreneur, we're definitely risk takers and willing to put ourselves out there and seeing that doors are open. So why not step through and experience it? The worst thing that can happen is someone say no. And the worst thing for you to do is fail and learn from that experience. So talk to me about that because I love, I love this idea of risk taking. I think there's so much value there, but as we all do, I think that there's a ton of fear that gets involved. How have you kind of balanced these two and, and urged yourself to take risks despite any impending fear that we like subconsciously or just our, our reaction to these situations? Well, honestly, I know that if I don't feel fear in what I'm doing, then I'm too comfortable and I'm not willing to grow. I'm not willing to put myself out there and change and experience a new opportunity that could be the best thing that will ever happen to me. But we should also be mindful and understanding that we're only going to limit ourselves. We only set our boundaries in our minds. You are literally limitless in anything that you do. If you say you can't, you absolutely can't. If you say you can, you can't. You can do whatever your heart and mind and body can push itself to do. And I think that with anything in life, whether it be physical challenges or mental challenges or emotional challenges, you need to take risks to grow and learn from everything. Was there something that kind of brought that about? Because I love everything you just shared about comfortability and using fear as like the indication or the absence of fear as the indication that you should make a change. But what, what helped you adopt that mindset or like what brought that into your life? 
Well, there is definitely a big challenge. Um, there's always going to be like little challenges, but the biggest significant challenge that came about for me that really pushed me was about two years ago. I was given an ultimatum by my parents. You can either move out and you're on your own, or you can come back home and we'll be able to provide whatever you need financially for like home and food and career. Like I, I had a job lined up, but I knew I would be too comfortable at home and given everything. And I didn't have to think twice. I said, okay, see you guys. I'm going to do my own thing. And I left. I had no money at all. And I just said, I'm going to make it work. We'll see what happens. Move up to New Jersey. Find a job. Kind of kick my butt into gear. I had no health insurance, no car insurance, no income. And that that was the risk that I took. So that was the start of it all. Like the mindset, rather. Essentially, yeah. That that was like the biggest trigger that really helped me realize who I am becoming and where I need to go. Got it. Got it. Awesome. So that was like two years ago, you said? Mm-hmm. Sweet. So in that two years, what has been like the biggest change that you've made. So now you're still in event planning, right? And you're doing tons of influencer marketing, which I think is so cool. So talk to me a little bit about kind of your your journey into that um, event planning you had already been doing in the nightclubs and things like that. But talk to me about your focus and your shift into all of this influencer marketing. For influencers, I kind of picked up on what's going on with social media. Instagram has literally been the best platform for me personally, just for my personal brand. But then I started seeing the connections that you can make within this platform, just DMing people and reaching out saying, great page, nice page. And if someone responds, there, there's your conversation. There you go. Like I, I reached out to you on Instagram. Yeah. And that's how we started our friendship and making this interview happen just everyone lately has been through instagram so i wanted to kind of build that bigger and connecting more people together making engagement groups those insta pods 15 people per group categorizing towards fitness entrepreneurship models photographers what have you and connecting people all over the world Then I started doing FaceTime calls with individuals. If someone needed help, I was willing to help them and get them connected with the right people. Or if they were able to help me in events and finding new clients, that's how I found my clients in Australia, LA, New York, and Florida so far, which has been wonderful just based off of people that are willing to help and these entrepreneurs that are so open-minded to build their own brands and help other people grow. Why do you think why do you think influencer marketing is so important in terms of like brands telling stories? I think social media is such uh, an important feature in our lives right now. That's something we really need to take advantage of. And companies need to see what social media influencers are capable of. They have thousands of followers that people are so loyal to and really want to understand who they are or who they kind of want to become 
these luxury models or these amazing sports athletes, people want to become them. So they're going to follow their journey. And if you can't implement your own brands onto their page, then you're missing out because maybe a hundred or a thousand people will look over that brand and click on it and actually shop with Adidas or shop with a startup company. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you have to follow attention, right? So you've talked a couple times about kind of your personal brand and something that you said that I really like, cause I firmly believe this is that we're all salespeople. I don't, I think that it's like a dirty S word to people. Like people hate the word sales. And I think subconsciously they just think like, I don't know, you're stereotypical, like quote unquote, used car salesman, right. which like no disrespect to people that sell used cars, like that get your hustle on. But at the end of the day, like the fact of the matter is that we're selling everything. Like whether it's selling your idea of where you want to go get lunch to your coworker or selling your idea of what time we were going to do this podcast today, right? Everyone's selling something. So talk to me about your viewpoints of how important a personal brand is with regards to this concept of everyone being salespeople. Well, your personal brand is what you have. The other night when we were having dinner, we kind of touched base on the fact that you're you're your own brand and this is what you have for the rest of your life. Your name is your brand and who you're going to be marketing yourself to people. Your business card has your name on it. That is your brand. It is who you are and your title is just based off of your name and what you're doing at that time. I think from my experience, like I've done door-to-door sales before I was working for AT&T and selling cable and internet packages. Awesome. And that was awful. <laughs> it was so awful being threatened to run off of someone's lawn. It was just fantastic. Um, and also I've done network marketing and affiliates with like FEMA and wake up now with some people that I know. So learning from those experiences that you're still your own brand and you're still that person in front of someone else that you're pitching an idea to. It doesn't matter what you're representing. You're still the person that's representing someone else. So you're always going to have your brand, your name at the end of the day. So why not start up your own company, start up your own products, your own services, something that you can give back to the world. If, if you feel the need that you can and you have the knowledge and the capital to do it, and absolutely go for it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've never done door to door sales. So you have that on me, but, <laughs> uh, I've been in sales other than what we're talking about, like our entire lives. Like I worked retail for 10 years. Um, also have experience in the network marketing space. So I'm familiar with a lot of what you're sharing in terms of either being an affiliate and helping promote other people's products, or we're talking about influencer marketing with various larger brands. For anyone that is doing things like this, what advice do you have for them with regards to continuing to build their personal brand without getting too heavily attached to a company or a product? And what I mean by that is, say you're promoting a product or a company and the product goes out of business or the company goes out of business so the product is no longer available how do you go from like the guy or girl who sold that product to just the guy or girl do you know what i did am i communicating that effect effectively (laughs) 
No, I, I understand. You definitely can't develop an emotional attachment because it's not your brand. It's not what you have to live with at the end of the day. And you don't really have a say in where the company's going or where the business strategy is headed or started. It's you're just the face. You're a pretty face or a pretty body. Whatever they're using you for, it's just for their purposes. And I mean, you can't really, I, I've never really developed an emotional attachment with any brand that I've worked with. So I can't really speak on that. Yeah. But for anyone that is emotionally attached to something, maybe it's because they know someone that is running the business or they really see the passion or the drive behind the brand itself and really believe in the mission. And that's okay. I mean, someone else will have that vision and that mission that you can connect with in the future, or you can just build it yourself. You can learn from the company and bring that emotional attachment towards your own brand. I love it. I love it. So just to give people some super actionable advice, like say someone is starting out, they're they're moving out of college or they're early on in their career in corporate America, they want to start building this personal brand because they don't want to get pigeonholed in an industry or you know, maybe they don't like what they're doing right now. What action items would you have them take as they're starting their journey into building this personal brand of theirs? Definitely meditation on your passion. You really need to find your passion that is turned into obsession. What are you going to be obsessed with for the rest of your life? Just imagine that. Like it doesn't have to be for the rest of your life, but imagine what you can live with. If it be a fitness brand, if it be a fashion brand, if it be a dog grooming brand, it doesn't matter as long as you are passionate behind the work that you're doing and you want to create a positive impact on the world with that brand and leaving a legacy that people will remember you for. Okay. So you're, you meditate, which I completely agree with meditation played a huge role in my journey. I'm a big advocate of that. So people have meditated, they've gotten clear on what they want to do. Now in terms of like content creation or social media platforms, what would you think are like the first couple things that people should be focusing on? For building their, their story? I think it should be content for sure. Um, finding a photographer or videographer that's willing to invest into your brand. Definitely finding a freelance journalist or photographer to help you out with your vision, your mission. Um, posting on Instagram and Facebook, just starting it. Just literally starting a page, starting an account and seeing what feedback you can get from other people writing your bio. I literally started a, a Facebook page two weeks ago called the Female Digital Nomad. And I got a DM from a random person saying, Hey, I love your vision. I love your mission, but you know, your English isn't so great in one of these paragraphs. Uh, you should change it from it to is. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I have no idea that I did that. Can you actually copy and paste and edit my entire bio and send it back to me? And he did. Really? Which is crazy. Yeah. So you don't know the power that you have with just putting information out there 
and seeing the feedback that you'll get. So don't be afraid of just putting a brand out there. Like if you're passionate about something, if you believe in it, like people will believe in you as well. They'll see the confidence. Yeah, I like that. Especially if you, I feel like you can really sidestep a little bit of that fear when you're just creating a brand that doesn't necessarily have your face on it. You know, like this kind of is, is pivoting away from the personal brand like we were talking about, but I feel like it's such a common fear. And I felt this at earlier on in my journey as well. Like everyone, a lot of people don't want to look like they're just starting out. And that's why, you know, Will Smith is getting so much respect, I think, right now, because he started at nothing on YouTube and he's vlogging. But a lot of, and I'm not sure how I feel about this, but a lot of people have been saying like most celebrities wouldn't want to do that because they don't want to look like they're starting at zero subscribers, you know, but on a lesser level, anyone who's starting their personal brand starts at zero, right? right? You start an account, you have zero followers, you are not following anyone. So no one really wants to look like they don't have it made because they feel like it's um, it's going to discredit them or you know all these things. So it's it's a very real fear, but it's something that everyone goes through, and we all have different kind of ways to to go through that. So I'm curious, did you experience anything like that at the beginning of your journey? I I definitely I did, but the fact that I had so much support, like physical and verbal support from friends and family in what I was starting, I wasn't so fearful because I shared my ideas and I actually talked about it. I think that a lot of kids these days are very bottled up about their ideas and they don't want to like hang out at their friend's dorm room or their friend's house and be like, Hey, like I have this really cool idea about a new toy. What what do you think? oh, dude, that's awesome. Like, you should actually do this. And then brainstorming happens. That's so powerful. Just talking with people about ideas and then you're just bouncing back and forth with, oh, how about this? Oh, you should try this. Oh, what about this? And you were creating the biggest idea possible and you may be curing cancer at that point. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And that's what I love so much about what you're doing on Instagram because you're connecting so many different people. and. Um, it, it's, there's just so much value. You never know who you're going to meet. Right. Yeah. And there's so much potential between people. Like yeah. I, I have no idea your connections or you don't know my connections, but the fact that you're willing to reach out to somebody and ask for help. Yeah. Like that, that's so important. Oh, so true. I think one of the biggest hacks that you can possibly make is getting around people that have what you want and getting around people that will help you get what you want. And you never know who those people necessarily will be other than like a, you know, a a classic like mentor mentee type of thing, like go work for the person that you look up to most. But that same value, if not more, can be brought by a random person that you meet on Instagram. Or, Or just friends, just talking. Exactly, exactly. Some of the best ideas that have come up for for me and my business have just been kind of brainstorming with friends and like them asking me what I'm up to and just kind of catching up. You know, you never know what can happen from a conversation and you never know who you can help as well. The first um, business I started on campus was Hannah's Housekeeping and uh, it was freshman year 
first semester. And I was sitting with maybe 10 of my friends. We're all hanging out in our dorm room. And I said, I'm going to start a housekeeping business. And I was like, what? No way. Like, I was going to do that. I want to, like, clean people's rooms because it's such a big thing on campuses. Like, kids are so messy, so messy, and they don't want to clean up after their parties or anything. Yeah. So I just started a Facebook page. I copied a Google photo as the cover photo, and I launched it. I was like, Hannah's housekeeping, $5 per room, $5 per load of laundry. And I got 15 people within the first hour asking for me to come over and clean their rooms. Wow. Yeah. I I mean, I definitely needed that in college. <laughs> I think most guys in college did. It was majority of guys. Yeah. Yeah. So you have a pretty good population of potential clients. Yeah. Um, one thing I want to go back on, and we, we didn't really segue into this yet throughout this, uh, throughout this journey, but you had shared with me when we had lunch the other day a part of your journey that was very, very pivotal for you, where you sustained a bit of an injury and you talked about it as a second chance. Can you tell that story for our audience? Sure. It was four years ago when I was in Barcelona, Spain. I was living over there and I was working in one of the nightclubs for a promotional opportunity and Diplo was performing. There was a couple of detectives from America that were visiting. They came out to the nightclub and ran into me. They introduced themselves like we hit it off really great. New best friends. Awesome. And they invited me out to go running with the bulls in Pamplona, Spain the next day. I said, sure, why not? I have nothing to do on a Saturday. And we all hop onto a five hour bus ride with a bunch of Australians and British people and Americans. And I was like, okay, I'm not going to do this. I'm just going to take photos of everybody. This is so dumb. Y'all are dumb. Um, but I'll take pictures of you, you know, get your idiotic moment on film. And we get there at like 2 a.m. The run starts at 8 a.m. There's so much hype. Everyone's throwing sangria all over the place. Everyone's in their white t-shirts, their white pants, red bandana, red sash. And I was like, okay, like if I find tennis shoes, I'm going to run with you guys. Lo and behold, I found tennis shoes that were my size. And 8 a.m. rolls around, the gun goes off, and we're running down the street being chased by a bunch of bulls. What you see on TV is exactly that. You run down the, the cobblestone street, and there's about eight bulls, eight bulls that day, that were chasing after you. You run into the arena. And they corral the bulls right after you get in. They said, okay, awesome. Like, we did it. We're alive. They're like, no, 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 no. They released six teenage bulls to come out, 900 pounds each for two minutes. I was like, okay, like, I can handle that. That's cool. Just basically, like, the men trying to show off their manliness and jump over it, tag it, what have you. And, oh, like, women were not allowed to do this until two years ago. Like, Two years prior to me doing it, women were not allowed to run at all, which was insane. Why is that? Do you know? Uh, just because of the the danger of it. Got it. It is definitely a, a man's sport, just based off of their culture and the men doing uh, the matador kind of thing. Got it. Yeah. So then they allowed women to do it. 
Spanish people thought it was the craziest thing. None of them would do it. They just think Americans and Australians are so dumb, which we are, of course. <laughs> but the fifth bowl came out and I didn't see it. I was in a swarm of people. I got sideswiped and it fell to the ground. I was like, okay, I got hit. I'm done trying to hop out of the arena. And the Spanish guy grabs my arm and is pulling me to the side. I'm like, dude, get off me. I, I don't know you. And he's just saying something really fast. And I look forward and there's a black bull, basically out of the film, a black bull with his head down, cocking his hoof back and charges me dead on and hits me right in the stomach. I black out instantly, got tossed into the air, landed on my head and woke up eight hours later in the ICU with a fractured skull and a bruised brain. Whoa. Yeah. Okay. It's very different hearing it with that much detail mm -hmm. than when you shared it with me the first yeah. time. And I lost my sense of smell for 14 months. That was really fun. Whoa. People trying to test that out. It was really entertaining. My taste was weird, too. Jeez. Okay. So talk to me about what was the transformation like? Like what? what Rehab? No. Like you mentioned that it was a very pivotal moment for you. So obviously the, the rehab and, and the recovery, I'm sure, was gruesome. You mentioned that you lost your sense of smell for 14 months, which is very difficult to fathom. Like I had a deviated septum, so I can relate oh, wow. to not being able to smell, oh. but I can't imagine, like I just never had it really. So, <laughs> you know, like I, I would always just, not, we're not going to go there, but learning, like not ha losing something that you previously had, I'm sure was really, really interesting. Mm -hmm. What happened after? Like, how did you kind of get back into this whole space of like crushing what you're crushing now after such a major setback? Well, I definitely fell into depression for sure. I was playing college volleyball at the time and I was doing bikini bodybuilding training and I lost all of that. I fell into the wrong group of friends and was influenced poorly and I gained 60 pounds within eight months. Just because I wasn't able to play any sports or work, I just laid around and just ate a bunch of food and hated myself because I fell out of the things that I loved. But I just had like a, an awakening during that time. I realized I'm better than this. I can overcome this. I need to push myself and push the boundaries that have been set for me. Like the doctor said, I wasn't allowed to go back to school. I went back to school within a month after coming back from Spain. I wasn't allowed to play any sports and I got back into volleyball. I wasn't allowed to work. I started waitressing and my parents actually came down to the school and yelled at me for doing that. I don't know. It was like a internal motivation that I had that I knew I was greater than the challenges that were set in front of me and I could be a better version of myself for sure. Um, I always had a vision of myself being on the cover of Forbes. I saw that vision and I wasn't going to let an, inner, a, an injury set me back from achieving those goals. In fact, it would just kind of enhance it like a cooler story. Like, Hey, Anna Carlson overcame a bullfight basically and now she's top 
50 influencers, maybe. I don't know. I don't know what the outcome will be, but it's definitely a part of my journey and I'm not going to let it hold me back. I love it. I love it. So, I think I'm saying so a lot, but there's so much that we can kind of abstract or extract from the story. There's so much value in all these different pieces, but how was there like a specific moment that you remember just kind of snapping out of the funk or realizing like, this isn't serving me. It's time to get back to like, yeah, I may not be able to do some of these things anymore, but it's time to get back into that mindset and start crushing again. I don't think it was like an exact moment, but I definitely remember having a conversation with my mom and she basically said like, Hannah, you have been given a second chance at life. And maybe you haven't been living your life correctly prior to this. And maybe it's a wake up call for you. But granted, it's a very devastating wake up call. Yeah. But you've been given a second chance at life because the way that I was hit, the way that I was carried off of the arena and taken care of, it literally saved my life. The way I was injured, if it was a centimeter thicker or deeper, I would would have died instantly if it was horizontal instead of vertical crack i would have died instantly there's a lot of things that were very close to me being dead that i realized from that conversation with my mom that okay this is a second chance of life why am i given a second chance what can i give back to the world to my community to my friends my family my followers that I can leave a, a legacy. Wow, that's powerful. I hope that people can resonate with that as much as and take as much value from it as I did. So I appreciate you sharing that with our audience. For sure. So I have a couple questions that I ask every guest at the end of each interview. Okay. The first one is, what's the most important lesson you've learned in the last six months of your journey? Self-awareness. <laughs> That is my word of the year. Last year, I was definitely dependent on a lot of people on happiness just because of the situation I was given with my parents. Um, I was relying on a lot of friends and extended family for happiness and direction. And I really have been focusing on self-awareness, self-love this year in that we only have ourselves at the end of the day and we need to take care of ourselves before anyone else. Yeah, absolutely. I've been on a very similar journey, I guess, the last couple of years and self-awareness, not only from like a business perspective and like knowing where my skill sets are and knowing where I should spend my time, but also in terms of everything else that goes on in our life in terms of we talked uh, before not today, but earlier this week, we talked about like kind of this idea of getting selfish with our time and like all that stuff is so valuable. So it's valuable. So I love that. All right. So that was the last six months. I want to expand that window to whatever you consider your personal growth journey. If you could share only two lessons, the two most important things, what would they be? It's not about the pursuit of happiness, but the pursuit of success and happiness will follow. My dad and I had this conversation last week. Basically, you're going to be pursuing your passion and the success 
in this world, it's basically all about money and where your name is going to be, who you're featured under, and then you'll be happy. You're happy with finances. You're happy with a title. It's, it's not about like love and happiness and what we make of this hippy dippy stuff, but where you're going to be branding yourself, which is totally understandable. Like, you know, follow your passion and the money will follow. All your passion and happiness will follow. Um, also, talking with my mom about uh, your greatest weakness is a hard time giving up. And that resonated most with me because I don't give up and I don't think anyone should ever give up on your dreams or your goals or who you morally or about or your values are. Because if you give up on yourself then you're giving up on your future and who you become who you're going to influence in your life and no one should ever give up i agree with that for sure um those are powerful so there's the so again that's like my word of the day i think no that's interesting you should start knitting why because you so oh it's a fun fact i (laughs) I um I learned to sew in like seventh grade. Oh yeah. Yeah. So you can patch my knee up right now. <laughs> uh, I'm not that good. No. But I did make like a. What was it? It was like a little stuffed animal to like learn how to sew. It was like this little kit. You went to build a bear. No, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't. It was uh, it was actually through school. Oh. Uh, but it was dope. I made this like little duck of some sort, if I remember correctly. It was awesome. Does your mom still have it? I hope that'd be incredible (laughs) if it does, if she does, excuse me. Before I ask the last question, I want to take a second to acknowledge you and express my gratitude to you for not only coming out to Jersey in the middle of a Monday afternoon in between brand promotion meetings, but for your willingness to give back to your community. It's really, really powerful what you're doing. Perfect example is uh, Saturday night, we all got dinner with a bunch of people that no one knew each other. And so many of us connected on such a great level in person, which I think is very rare, unfortunately, in the social media space. And I think that's so cool. I mean, some of us ended up even going out after dinner together and like furthering the conversation. So it was really, really powerful. But that was just a really great example of it. But even through all the engagement groups and like you're, you're making a ton of connections and like helping provide value all these different places that is, is so cool to me. So I want to just express my gratitude for, for carving out the time and for bringing value to our community and just for everything that you're doing with your social and, and the value you're trying to bring. Well, thank you. I want to acknowledge you for making this podcast available to everyone that's listening and allowing me to be on and being a part of these engagement groups. (laughs) You are very, very welcome. So this is a podcast about growth. The final question is, what is your next big focus that you're trying to improve on this year? And how are you going to go about working on that? Well, like I said, that my word of this year is self-awareness. And I'm definitely, definitely taking that to heart and really focusing on meditating more, starting my day off right with the right mindset and in a really healthy focus that I mentally want to be prepared and I want to focus on a 
health movement kind of effect just because of society and everyone that is going through hard times through just having a healthy lifestyle. But yeah, self-awareness is definitely something I'm pursuing this year and how I'm going about it is really connecting with my skills and my knowledge, my opportunities and the things that I can provide for the community and for my clients based off of who I'm becoming every single day. I love it. Well, Hannah, thank you again so much for carving out the time. I had a lot of fun. I did too. Thanks yeah, so much. Yeah. Appreciate it. <laughs>there we have it folks once again a massive thank you to hannah for carving out the time and joining me on the show if you want to get connected with hannah make sure to head over to learngrowern.com to check out the full show notes we'll have links to all of her social in there and uh, you guys can get connected follow her journey see what she's all about now if you like this content all that i ask is that you subscribe on your podcast player of choice and if you feel so compelled leave a review on itunes it would seriously mean the world and it really helps us expand the reach and get this project in front of more eyes so we can hopefully have a bigger widespread positive impact but with all that said i hope you guys have an incredible week and thank you so much for tuning in peace